0: The Changelog episode 0.3.4. I'm Adam Stakoviak.
1: And I'm Wynn Netherland. This is the Changelog. We cover what's fresh and new in the world of open source. If you found us on iTunes, we're also on the web at changelog.com. We're also up on GitHub. Head to github.com forward slash explore. You'll find some training repos, some feature repos from our blog, as well as the audio podcasts. And if
0: you're on Twitter, follow Changelog Show. And I'm Adam Stack.
1: And I'm Penguin, P E N G W I N N P-E-N-G-W-I-N-N. Fun episode this week. Talk to Zed Shaw of Mongrel 2. Chatted up his new project as well as Python and guitars yeah got the, the
0: uh, speaking of Python we got the, the Django Dash guys coming up next week as well.
1: yeah, that was a fun episode too. just uh, with five people it it got sort of uh, hairy to edit, I take it It always helps one of the co-hosts doesn't hit record
0: yeah' it's, it does make it a little bit difficult in the post-production process
1: what's well, a longish interview this week, I think around forty minutes, so uh, should we cut the banner and get to it Let's do it. chatting today with Zed Shaw from the Mongrel 2 project. So Zed, for those guys out there that might not know who you are, why don't you introduce yourself and just let us know a little bit about your background.
0: Uh, Hi, so I'm Zed Shaw, and uh, I've uh, been programming for a really long time. Some of you of me, if you're in the Ruby world, probably know me, Um, uh, both because I use your, or you use my software, but also because uh, I'm a pretty prolific blogger, and I've written some some things. So, And uh, currently, I'm working on my new thing, which is kind of like the new version of Mongrel, uh, Mongrel 2. I couldn't think of a better name, so I went with Mongrel 2. And uh, it's basically just a super badass web server.
1: So we uh, asked some questions informally on, on IRC earlier as far as what, uh, what guys wanted to know about Mongrel 2. So one of the questions was, what happened to Mongrel 1?
0: Oh, well, Mongrel 1, so I uh, basically uh got out of the Ruby community and uh rather than leave all my projects in the wind like uh like Y did, I went and um gave it up and basically got a hold of the guys who are mostly doing most of the work. By the time I left, uh it was actually a uh, Luis Lavena and a few other folks who were doing a lot of the on roll maintenance and so I just left it to them. And uh they moved it around a bunch and they quit updating the docs, but they kept the software going and uh they basically maintain it and keep it working. And then I guess the other thing that I could say happened to it is all these other web servers started carving it up and uh, coming up with their rendition of it. So that's where you get uh, Unicorn and Thin, and there's a whole bunch of other
1: ones that are based on it. What's the main selling point of Mongrel 2 over the previous versions?
0: Well, so the Mongrel 2, the main selling point is that it's written totally in C. So that's the first thing. So you don't have to worry about uh, any of the Ruby stuff. And uh, it's actually fairly disconnected from Ruby, except for the main part is that I reused the parser that I wrote for Mongrel. And its biggest part is that it's completely asynchronous, and it works with this awesome messaging kind of super socket protocol called uh, 0MQ. And what that gives you is the ability to write uh, your application logic and your backend in any language, pretty much. I think ZeroMQ is up to about 20 languages that it supports, and Mongrel 2 right now is up to 10. And one of those is .NET, so that's probably way more than, than even just the 10. And that's its main thing. I mean, basically what we, we pimp it as is this language agnostic, uh, uh app server, web server with the goal of hosting anything. I mean, we would just make it where it's dead easy to host everything that you've got.
1: Quite the list of languages here. So Ruby, Python, C++, PHP, Haskell, uh, Lisp, Perl, .NET, Clojure, and Lua. What's, who's got the most traction as far as those languages?
0: Well, so the thing is, is we actually really haven't done a lot with it. It was so easy to crank out the protocol that everyone just wrote protocol bindings, and then the Ruby and the Python side. Like on the Ruby side, there's Rack, and on the Python side, there's some Whiskey. But actually, hosting languages is kind of like our version two, like the next thing we're shooting for. So as far as like traction goes, the project's only three months old, so we haven't actually hosted anything. Um, there's people who are sitting down trying to use it, and. Uh, We've now just started kind of, well, you know, how do you actually host a Python thing on this thing and how do you deploy it and how do you make it less uh, sucky? You know, there's some like odd stuff we cranked out real quick that we're going to rewrite and things like that.
1: What do you see as the typical stack? Normally with uh, the older version of Mongo, you would have some sort of front end proxy uh, in front of it. What would you do in the case of Mongo 2?
0: So with the Mongrel 2 setup, what I'm aiming for is, uh, like, some people have been trying to compare it to, say, Node, but that's not a really good comparison. There's a little bit of overlap with Node, but it's actually more of a different part of the stack. So I'm actually putting it more at um, either where you would have your Apache or your NGINX. I consider those more direct competitors, or even maybe where you have your HA proxy. And I kind of consider, like, the architecture that Mongrel 2 is shooting for is is a collapser where you don't have to have as much uh, you know HA proxy to an Nginx to an Nginx that runs your Rails, that kind of setup. You can actually just have a Mongrel 2 that messages to everything. But right now I would probably tell people, HA proxy goes to a Mongrel 2, goes to your app. And there shouldn't have much more than that. Like you shouldn't have to put you know Xs and things in in between or any other stuff like that.
1: What's your take on the whole evented web design pattern that seems to be popular lately? So
0: it's it's interesting because, yeah, like it, it's true that events, you know, things like epoll and having event callbacks and stuff like that are, are actually faster than threads in, in certain cases. There's there's actually a few uh, types of things that are better with threads, um, and, and I've been doing the stuff like that for years. I mean, that's just kind of how you wrote web servers. It's it's almost kind of funny because these these folks are making it seem like it's fantastic new technology and it's been around forever. It's just now people kind of understand it. Um, and what I see is, yeah, you know, events are great, but a lot of the systems that make you use events, it's almost like they shove it in your face and they don't give you anything nice to deal with it. So over on the Python side, there's Twisted. Um, over in Node, uh, if you're in C and C++, you've got LibEvent and LibEV. And Ruby, you've got Event Machine and things like that. And and they kind of just, they don't give you a lot of help other than calling your function and saying go. So I actually think that a lot of the event-based uh, frameworks, uh, either they're eventually going to invent um, some kind of state machine or some kind of coroutine, and they all need some kind of uh, a ring buffer of some kind. And if you don't know that, then you see people typically write event code and invent those things. Like they sort of do a state machine, and it's all kind of half or they sort of do a, a ring buffer, it's sort of half-assed. Um, and so what I see is like you can actually probably – simplify event systems a lot, but still get all the same performance boosts.
1: I know with Ruby applications, it normally is an all or none proposition. If you go the evented route, you seem to need libraries that are also evented. Is the same true with, with Python and some of the other languages?
0: That's actually, I think, a core thing about events. It's nearly impossible to merge event systems. Um, it's not impossible, but the stuff you have to do requires a non-event system to put it together. Um, I, this is just something that that's how event systems work. And I haven't really ran into anything that makes it better. So let's say, for example, I've got 0MQ um, uh, that's got a, its own little event loop. And then I've got LibEV, it's got its own event loop. And then I've got Ruby's pseudo-thready thing, which like uses select and stuff like that. If I want to put those three together, I have to declare one of them the king I usually have to use some kind of real thread. I have to do some kind of like maybe tossing events over a socket to the king. Um, I have to do all sorts of weird stuff to make it work. And that's just like a a universal thing about event systems. They just don't merge together very well.
1: Let's talk about protocols for a moment. Uh, I seem to remember a blog post uh, earlier, a couple of years ago maybe. (laughs) Time flies. As far Mm -hmm. as uh, HTTP HTTP and you uh, feeling that, It's probably the wrong protocol for a lot of things we do on the web. Uh, What do you see as a future protocol that could kind of overtake HTTP?
0: Um, So that's one of the things that I'm trying to do within the Mongrel 2 on the front-end side is sort of add the protocols that I think people actually could use um, for a lot of the async stuff. And, And the trend I'm seeing with web apps is it's actually going more async uh, for a lot of the event notifications and uh, a lot of your JavaScript front ends and things like that it just seems to work better. This is one of the reasons why node is so nice because you can you can basically merge the events on the uh, back end to the front end And so the thing that I see as far as protocols go is like WebSockets is sort of getting it where the people who want to do the async chatty style uh, message oriented stuff can use a WebSocket. Um, And then if you want to do the heavy lifting, upload, download, grabbing files, that kind of thing, use HTTP. Um, Back in the day, what I saw was this kind of bastardization of chunked encodings and HTTP to invent this thing called long polling, which is just another word for never closing the socket, which for a lot of web servers is really bad. I mean, a web server is mostly designed that people are only there for a short period of time. So you can to eat up resources and things like that. And then if you've got this guy who's keeping his long pole open for a real long time, you're taking a web server that's designed for files and transmitting files, and then you're putting in a messaging, continuously connected kind of chat protocol. And a lot of web servers just break down for that. So what I'm shooting for in Mongo2 is it works for any of those patterns, the async, long pole. Uh, message-oriented, and then if you know WebSockets come out, we're going to add WebSockets. If someone invents, you know, like if Spidey becomes popular, we can throw in Spidey. I mean, the way we've designed it, we can pretty much put any protocol that becomes popular into the thing, because it assumes nothing about the actual request-response model.
1: What sort of applications are you building with these types of, of platforms? So the things that I'm actually interested in is mostly on the
0: music hosting side, and uh, also on the on the uh, uh, more social chat or social code side um, mostly just because I'm curious about it I, I mean for me it's kind of cobbler's shoes stuff I'm so busy actually working on Mongrel too I don't have any time to work on this stuff so I'm kind of you know, just uh, getting it out but the main thing is like I've got an idea for a little, uh, little project that will sit and watch you code so people in a project can actually watch each other as they work on files and they can ask each other questions so sort of like a weird code chat in a way um, which every time I mention that to programmers, they go, oh, God, don't let my manager get a hold of that. He'll know I surf lolcats all day long. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then the other one is, like, hosting music is kind of a pain in the ass. Like, I'm thinking in terms of a musician who doesn't really know a lot and wants doesn't want necessarily, like, a, just a place to put their files, but an actual page, you know, a small blog, uh, places they're going to be playing next and, and hosting the music. And so that's, you know, kind of something I'm a little interested in. And then there's another project I've been toying with for a long time, which is uh, the idea of like a music browser that more browses the semantic web of uh, liner notes, basically, like what's in a CD, who is the producer of this and that and things like that. And a lot of that's just kind of breaking out of the walled garden that gets uh, created around music, uh, like iTunes, things like that. Um, But all those projects, you know, I'm working on Mongol, too, so I don't have a whole lot of time to tinker with them.
1: Let's talk music for a second, so tell me about fret war.
0: so yeah, so fret war <laughs> that was my uh, my foray into products, so I moved out to San Francisco, and uh, I'm still really into trying to you know get better at consumer products. Most of the stuff I do is is uh, I like to tell people I make products for people who make products for people. <laughs> <You know? laughs> So it's like I make web servers and things like that. Now I hear people look at you and they go, Oh, you're just a nerd, huh? You know, and they, <laughs> they don't really care. And so, and, uh, and I'd been doing that for years and years and, you know, I'm a smart guy. So I said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to try and make a few websites for fun. So, um, I, I branched out all my blogs and I started doing all sorts of art topics. And, uh, and I'd actually, uh, before moving out here, I spent a, about a year studying uh, jazz guitar at a music school in New York. So I wanted to start putting up songs and stuff and, I kind of found I was in a rut where I would just practice the same crap all day long. So I came up with this idea for fret war. Me and a bunch of friends, we'd come up with like a round and people basically play the round. The round could be something like, you know, play a metal song in a Mixolydian or, or, or something like that. A Mixolydian. Mixolydian. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I believe that's Channel 224. Nickel- yeah, yeah, yeah. Nickelodeon. The the Nickelodeon uh, mode. Anyways, um, and then what we'll do is they'll all do their own rendition of it and they, the production value is a pretty hi i mean if there's anything that shows at home recording is is really easy it's the fact that a lot of these guys come home after work on friday they figure out what they're going to do and then on saturday kind of craft up drum tracks bass lines uh, whole guitar parts their solo everything sound effects and then they upload it and then what we do is we go and you rate it and we say like you know but we like the sound quality the tone of it uh, your interpretation was cool and then people win rounds and uh, based on that and it's like maybe 12 of us do it.
1: You know, one of the the apps that I'd like to see, we've talked about this, doing it for, for like the Rails Rumble or something like that. Are you familiar with um, Layer Tennis? No. Uh-huh. On the design side, we have this, uh, I think it's Koodle that, that puts it on Layer Tennis that uh, you upload a, a PSD and you keep riffing on it back and forth to... Each side, each designer keeps adding detail to the PSD and passing it back and forth. I'd like to do the same thing with riffs. Somebody lays down a bass track, and then you just keep uploading your version, your take on it, and, and see what you can make. Kind of collaborating, but not exactly in real time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of cool things. That, you know, basically, a lot of like the stuff I want to do with Model Two is just to make it easier to do that. Like for example, we have an MP3 streaming demo. And it was easy. It's like that I, that really crappy, icy protocol that was written by 95 right when the HTTP came out. So it's totally not HTTP. It's like basically if, if some dude had Windows and a really tiny computer, this is the protocol he would do. You know, it's like <laughs> right. hard, hard-coded chunk lengths with a header that has to be a multiple of 16 in size, you know, and it's just streamed out. But... You know, we wrote that, and I can do uh, really good uploaders. You know, a big problem is people have a hard time uploading their music, so I could actually have a little desktop apps and things like that. And it's it's just that, you know, as I worked on Fretwar, it was so hard to actually get uploads working. We use email, so I have this other project, Lampson, that basically runs all the Fretwar. You email your um, your jobs in and your description and everything, and it sets it up. And uh, you know, I want to get away from that. I want to make it where you can just upload the files. You can chat with people. You can do the golf a lot quicker, too, You know, where if it's more async, I could actually chat with you and go, well, how about this? Well, how about that? How about this? How about that? You know. Um, but right now, the current web stuff, it's just way too hard to do that. its It just doesn't work for that kind of real-time music-y stuff.
1: Speaking of email, talk to us about Liberalist.
0: Oh, yeah, Liberalist. Uh, so... I was working on Lamson, which is this mailing. This basically, it's like uh, Rails or Django for email, and uh, it's it's got some code in it that I think is just awesome. Like Python's got pretty decent email support, and then I kept running into this mismatch because like email is pre Unicode, so everything you get is this weird like set of uh, of headers and weirdo encodings. It's bizarre. So I got code that basically. Cleans that up and turns it into pure Unicode. It's it's great. It's like my favorite piece of code in the last year or two. Um, but it's mostly just this framework, and basically emails come in, and you do you know you do stuff, you like reply and put crap in databases, and do whatever you need, whatever you do in web. And one of the demos that came out of that was this little mailing list thing I call LibreList. and it literally just like takes emails, manages a mailing list, uh, kind of hooks a little bit into Django, stores archives in JSON, things like that. And I had a whole bunch of people who, who emailed me and they go, hey, I really hate Google Groups. Like, Google Groups is awful. Tons of spam. It's hard to use unless you have Gmail. You know, it's just really awful. Could you just put this, this demo, this, like, mailing list demo up for us? So I threw it up and I think a bunch of people used it and, you know, more and more open source projects that are, like, on the smaller side to try to use it. And uh, I think it's up to maybe 2,000 people registered, a couple hundred projects, you know, and they don't get a high volume. They get, like, maybe one a month or one a week, but it works, you know, and it's dead simple. doesn't require much uh, authentication or authorization or anything.
1: How long have you been playing guitar? Uh, so I started
0: playing guitar when I was 20. I was in the army. I was really bored. So, uh, I had a, had a friend who is a professional musician before joining and, and he's like, well, you should, you should play guitar. And, uh, I don't know why. <laughs> so he's, <laughs> he got me he got me like helped me pick out a little uh classical guitar and handed me the sheet music for Fur release and uh i guess it was a test to see if i would actually do it and i just sat there and i, I like tried to play it over and over and over and uh finally i could play Fur release uh yeah like a, a bit a good chunk of it and uh, he goes wow well, you can you can sort of play all right you should you should like you know play this and so since i was 20 i'm 36 now so 16 years but I never took it seriously, so you could actually probably say I've only been playing for like two years, you know. Because um, last, uh, I guess, in uh, two thousand eight or nine, uh, basically when I was working at Bear Stearns and they tanked, and uh, I got a severance package, so I went and I'm like, well, I could take the severance package and maybe do a startup, or I could learn to play guitar. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Fur Elise is normally a piano arrangement. What's your what's your, what's your um your take on tabs, why do tab sites always suck?
0: Oh, man, yeah. So, okay, so that would be another thing I would love to do is just nuke tab. There's a guy out there who's doing fantastic um, HTML5 canvas rendering for shape music and for tab. I would totally just love to hook up with him and, and do, like, a site that did awesome tab. And um, I actually probably would say, yeah, basically you pay a very small fee just so that we don't have to run ads and make this site degenerate into like some ad spam horrible link farm you know
1: as they always do
0: they always do they're so awful and i think i think there's like some one company that does them all cuz like they're all the same you know there's like a tiny little tab that's in the center that they ripped off of Usenix or some other website and then surrounding it is just every Horrible guitar player. Uh, if I see one more ad for Slash, I'm seriously going to kill that dude. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's like awful. He's got picks, guitars. He sells everything. He's like the biggest pimp, and he's all over every like music site everywhere. Um, and I don't know why I mean, they get shut down uh, quite often. So maybe they've got to pay some tithe to the music industry. Uh, I've got no idea why, but um,
1: that's got to be the only explanation. It, it's there's no other uh, reason why we're technically. We're the same that we were in the early '90s with the Olga Archive, the uh, online guitar archive, I think is the name of it, and, and basically they're the same Usenet posts from the mid '90s, just posted to the web with pop-up yeah. ads.
0: and and people add more, you know. But I mean, it's, it's I notice that like um, occasionally you'll get new stuff if it's like a new popular song. Uh, but I think the last the last major like metal band I saw a lot of tab for, not that I look too often, but it was Death Clock there was like people have just done tons and tons of tabs for this fake uh, cartoon metal band you know <laughs> and that was like it you don't see hardly any jazz stuff you see very little blues anymore um, and it's because of all the stuff that was like jazz and blues was taken from you know back in the pre-internet uh, or you know pre-web uh, Usenet you know um, so anyways yeah so I would love to have a better site that you know did nice rendering and you know you could you could upload the tab and it would figure it out and um, and then, you know, basically you, you do the licensing properly. So people are paying a bit, but, you know, maybe it's uh, you're actually getting with the music industry and saying, hey, yeah, you guys can make some money here if you actually just give us your tab. Um, you know, we'll give you a cut, whatever we sell. People are willing to pay for it. Why are you like leaving all this money on the table?
1: So what do you rock out to when you're coding on Mongrel 2? Um,
0: so <laughs> I, I, I had a Mac. I'm actually doing this uh, talk on a Mac. And the problem is, is when you're writing software that's like Mongrel 2, Mac kind of sucks because, you know, their, their IO is not so great and the, the tools you have just don't work. So I went and got a little la- uh, Linux laptop, you know, it's not little, it's actually a huge beast, but you know, it's a cheapo Linux laptop and Linux is so bad with sound that my headphones don't work. So like I plug my headphones in, the speakers turn off and then my headphones, I can't, hear any music so i rock out to nothing now i mean i like because <laughs> linux has got and and I'll, every once in a while i'll play like you know whatever happens to be on my on my mp3 trainer that i'm trying to learn but you know that gets really boring so uh, yeah I, as soon as i can figure out how to get the freaking speakers to work so for like i guess three months i haven't really listened to music while i code um but normally what i'll listen to is uh uh, I tend to I tend to really like uh, and what I try to learn is old school jazz, you know, uh, pre bebop jazz. Uh, with actual lyrics and people singing, and uh, you know, tons of cheese. Like I just love, I love jazz with just dripping Velveeta. You know, <laughs> like a stack of cheese sandwiches. Um, and mostly because that's that's apparently about the only thing I can sing well. <laughs> so I've got the perfect lounge voice, and that's it. I can't do anything else. Um, and so I do that, and then every once in a while I'll, I'll, I'll turn on some metal, uh, like older, like not new metal, but the old school stuff: Pantera, Slayer uh Metallica uh pre um black album Metallica and then um you know like a lot of just uh oh I've gotten into country lately mostly because of just Oh yeah. Become, oh yeah, yeah. So like country is awesome if they don't sing like, if you listen to the musicians, countries, the shit. Like, those dudes are so awesome. Like, you listen to the guitarists, they're just insane. Um, it, you know, the mandolin guys, bluegrass guys, but then when they start singing, that nasal twang, you're just like, oh. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm from, sort of from Texas. I was born there, and I, you know, traveled around a lot, but it's, it's like I'll listen to that stuff, and I can listen for a little while, and then I'm like, oh. Um, I think another music like that's uh, reggae. Like I can listen to reggae for about two hours and I go, Oh, if this dude plays on the two and four anymore. I'm going to kill him. You know?
1: <laughs> you know, it's just like every genre when it comes out is groundbreaking and it's usually a fusion of, of two or three other genres, but then it just degrades into this cliche of itself, you know, caricature of itself. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, actually, I think uh, a lot of that is, uh, it's the same reason why politicians eventually just kind of gravitate towards the middle, why almost everything becomes uh, mundane. And it's just that if you want to sell it, you got to sell it to the Midwest, you know, and then, and, and you basically got to, you know, normalize it. You got to take any other flavor out of it. Basically, you got to make it like cheese, you know, because they like cheese in the Midwest. So, future generations, just... <laughs>
1: it's going to be just like music everywhere, just a little oh, bit yeah. of music.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, that's actually something that i've been curious about too because um some of the projects that i try to do uh online try to merge sort of like visual uh writing and music together you know and i think that's actually kind of like the next phase but like the next thing that you can't really copy I, I mostly do it just because it's guaranteed to be unique so nobody can tell me it's 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 not, you know, it's not something that's been done or, or, or that, you know, th- there's no musician out there really kind of doing that. There's a few, I think the first musician to do that, uh, a mixture of video, uh, uh, textual and audio is like Bob Dylan, you know, uh, when he did, everything is broken. It's like kind of the first music video in a lot of ways. So I, I basically tried to do a lot of projects like that. I mean, that's kind of cool stuff.
1: You know, it seems like we, we try to shoehorn computer science to more of an engineering type role. But, you know, a lot of it, I've seen the most talented programmers are often creative in more than one medium.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Actually, um, I, I would love to just start uh, trying to teach random musicians how to code. Uh, I, I actually think like playing music, like if you play music from sheet music, probably more so than tab. Um, but if you play music from sheet music, you're actually learning this programming language in a way. I mean, it's it's odd. It has like just like every programming language that has this sort of arbitrary rules that fit around a core uh, theory that's solid. And, um, you have to be able to note structure, keep certain chains of things in your head, you know, so they got the memory for it. And yeah, you know, I just keep running into these musicians and, and I'd be like, you, you could probably learn to code. And like, no, I can't code. I'm just, a, I'm just a guitarist. Yeah, um, and I find uh, visual artists that turn into programmers, uh, writers. I've I've seen a lot of pro- writers who eventually become who can become programmers, um, and I think the really good programmers programming is like something you, they use to do other stuff. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned.
1: Yeah, you know, that's right. Especially in this, I guess, brave new world of social media and and the web, it's it's almost like just having that aspect is is what you need to promote what it is you really do.
0: Yeah, um, I would actually put it just a little differently. I would say um, the technology, like the business of technology changed from uh, the kind of stuff I do, the backend stuff, you know, the web servers and things like that, to a product version, like a product focus. So you actually make products for regular Joes, you know, Facebooks and Twitters and social media stuff and uh, pretty much anything, Mint, even if it's like a, a, a web server analytics thing, it's, it's a product. And the shift that you're getting is in order to make a good product, well, you have to be good at human stuff. You, know, you have to be good at writing and public speaking and, and uh, doing a, 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 you know, good gooey front ends and, and all that sort of stuff and, and a lot less about the technology. And I think a lot of the reason why that's even possible now is because you know, guys like me laid down this foundation. You know, the, you know, the guys that wrote Apache, the guys that wrote Linux, the guys that wrote the hardcore stuff, they made it easy to use so that people who don't have to know that or don't know that so well can still come in and make a good product and put it out to others, you know?
1: So I've got to ask the question, is Rails still a ghetto?
0: You know, it's funny because I think they've cleaned up quite a lot and finally matured, although I still seem to run into a few here and there, but you know, um, uh, it's really, I don't know. It's kind of sad. I actually, I actually had talked with a friend a lot where, uh, you know, I've just had this idea for a while that in general, I've, I've seen this trend where every community becomes a Ponzi scheme, you know, where it's, it seems like within every community, They tend to fail mostly because this Ponzi scheme builds up, and like you know, just like the big banking trans, you know, the big banking failures and and uh, the general Ponzi scheme failures or pyramid schemes, uh, they collapse because it's more of like a social Ponzi scheme, and there's the guys at the top that run it, and then eventually all the wealth of of influence and ideas and work. That all the guys at the bottom are putting into it, even though the guys at the top only benefit, it collapses mostly because something new comes along, like a new Ponzi scheme. People move off to it, and then you know they want to cash out in a way, and they just leave, and the whole thing collapses. Um, and kind of the indicator of that, if you notice, any time a community collapses, you see about one half of the people at the top are the first ones to leave to the new thing. So you get these guys who are like top authors and and pundits and whatnot. And the second Ruby came out, they were off of Java onto Ruby. And the second uh, node came out. They were off of Ruby on the node, you know, and and, and I think they kind of get that it's a it's like a Ponzi scheme, maybe not explicitly, but I know they do. Um, so I think actually I've actually kind of started to say that if you have a community like a community style thing, and it's not run more like an economy where everyone benefits, it's easy to find out who people are. You have a free market of ideas and and even just plain old cash. And you make it difficult to uh, cheat people. I find a lot of times the Ponzi scheme communities have a lot of uh, just straight up shysters, you know, programmers or business guys who are taking advantage of people. And if you don't have that, then yeah, it turns into a ghetto. I think I think I see it in just about every one that's out right now.
1: You know, and you kind of left the Ruby community not as dramatically as why the lucky Steph, but I'm noticing notice sort of a softening of, of Zed Shaw. Who's the real Zed Shaw? And who's the persona? And who's the real Zed?
0: <laughs> um, uh, the main thing is like so the internet persona, right? I've kind of divided it up now, but the internet persona is a little bit me. I mean, I get pissed off at people. It's just online, I just go crazy because there's these guys who that I keep running into who are really nice online but total in person, and so I'm kind of like making fun of them by being the inverse, so being a total online but then try to be nice in person. <laughs> yeah, you know? um, and, and it's funny because people on the internet just take it way too seriously. I mean, they take it way too seriously. They actually believe that I actually talk like, I mean, when there was that picture of me in leather, they thought I wore leather and I'm actually like, <laughs> a, I'm like allergic to leather, you know? <laughs> and, so, and about the only thing is I, every once in a while I would grow my hair out. Oh, I grew my hair out and I went to PyCon. just like, I was just bored, grew it out and nobody knew who I was. I, I would actually stand there. And my friends would walk by me. So like my <laughs> signature is goatee and shaved head, you know? Um, and, and so the thing that I try to tell people is, you know, me in person, I try to I try to be nice to folks because, you know, I just kind of think the world is already full of a lot of suffering. But I also don't put up with people's sh- like if someone's going to be mean to me, I'm going to tell them or if I think they're they're just a, f- I just kind of tell them, you know, if what they're doing is being an asshole and being a jerk. I find that they they tend to be so self-centered and so obnoxious that they don't even realize it. And I'll just tell them, you know, and I'll try to be nice if I'm a friend with them. But I've I've ran into the guys who are giant bags. And I've just said, you know what, you're a bag. I don't want to talk to you. Um, and other than that, I just try to be nice. Be nice, but don't take crap from people. The online persona is, you know, if I'm being nice, then, you know, then that's me. And if I'm not taking crap from people, I'm doing it in the most ruthless, obnoxious, straight up way I can. (laughs) I'm like just ripping them. Um, And part of that is just because it's a lot of fun, you know. Um, And a lot of the guys that I try to rip on just really deserve to be knocked down a few pegs, you know.
1: Any theories on what happened to Why?
0: I don't know. Um, I kind of suspected that he was getting a little disillusioned for a while, but uh, I think he was a family man. So I think I think maybe he just got uh, more interested in family or something else. Uh, I think he just you know decided that you know he, he had enough. He had to go sort something out. I don't really think he had any uh, like psychological issues or any of that stuff. I think there's a myth built up around that like the equivalent of he went crazy and had to go and check himself into some rehab or something like that. And I don't know if anyone's actually said that, but it seems to be the implication. Um, So I think, I think he just got kind of tired of it. I mean, I got tired of it, you know, I I think uh, he was in Ruby really early on and was, you know, just kind of like a character. And then Ruby sort of changed. And I think it went away from the fun, cool activity he used to just, you know, have his version of fun with and changed into uh, something that I guess the best way to explain it is it, Ruby changed to where his book, was like his gorgeous, fantastic book, um, It just didn't matter anymore. Or it just it just wasn't uh, the same kind of community that would like that kind of book. I mean, people still like it, but I think that was the change.
1: This is where I crowdsource production of feature episodes. So we just wrapped a Django Dash episode where Mongrel 2 came up uh, in this part of the show. So I wanted to ask you the same question. What's on your open source radar and what's got you excited to play with?
0: Um, so on my open source radar, definitely I've got, uh, you know, zero MQ. Um, I'm also looking at Node, uh, mostly because, uh, like, I would like Mongrel 2 to be able to point at Node. And uh, there's some spots with it where it's hard to work zero MQ into Node. So, uh, you know, we're kind of, uh, I'm like watching them and hanging out and seeing what they come up with. And I may actually go uh, hang out at Joyant and uh, see if we can try and make something happen. Or maybe just go hang out there and, and help a bit. Uh, cause you know, like I said, I want to get model two where it hosts everything. So you know, note is, note is attractive. Um, on the browser side, uh, I had someone just show me this thing called, uh, Ajax IM, which is basically like a full kit, jQuery jQuery style kit to do a Facebook style chat bar at the bottom of your site. So I'm totally gonna rip that off and do that <laughs> as like the model two chat demo, you know, it's like, Oh, it was, he showed me it. I'm like, why haven't you shown me this? You know, it was so good. Um, And, uh, oh, and QT. I'm actually dying to use the latest QT. QT, really? Yeah, I say that, and people look at me like, what? Why? I played with it a while back, and what they've done, and I think it's going to get even better, is they've basically hooked in full WebKit and full JavaScript. So you can actually write like a desktop app, but do it all webby style. So you can do full QT C++ bindings, access disk, whatever the hell you want, like anything that C++ can do, but then you can like make a little kind of framework or whatever you need to plug those C++ objects straight into a WebKit um, browser and a JavaScript engine, and it's all really seamless. And, and for me, I'm like, wow, that could, if they were, if they were smart, they would be promoting this as the way you can get a uh, simple web style development, but still get a desktop app. And to me, I think that's like killer. If you could just sit down and do that, that'd be
1: the best. So I've got to ask the question now, gnome or KDE on your desktop. Uh,
0: I, neither. Uh, I actually <laughs> use,
1: uh, I just uh, use the terminal.
0: No, I use uh, Awesome, which, you know, is like the most awesome window window manager ever. So it's the right name. Um, Awesome is... So I've got like a dual monitor thing. I've got a laptop and then a a monitor. And with Awesome, I basically never touch the keyboard unless I have to browse a web page. And so... uh, And even then, I usually don't. So my my setup is basically Awesome, Vim, and Vimperator. So pretty much the exact same key sequences that I get in Vim, I can use pretty much everywhere. And then I've got, you know, terminals, and I also use screen locally. Screen is fantastic if you haven't actually used that. And um, actually, if you're on OS X, like when I use OS X, I just use screen. I have one terminal open, I use screen. I don't use a bunch of Windows and everything. And that's pretty much my whole setup. Uh, I I code like a ninja in that setup. Uh, The thing that sucks about that setup, and actually just Linux in general, is just about every media you ever want to use is awful like youtube barely works flash barely works <laughs> like everything barely works um so i have a mac that i do uh most of my uh, audio music related stuff you know and i um, uh do most of my editing and stuff with uh, uh reaper which is a really good digital audio workstation and stuff like that
1: well cool so much to look at i'm making notes for the show notes there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of cool links in the show notes this week thanks for joining us thanks for taking the time definitely look forward to playing with mongrel too
0: Oh, well, thanks thanks yeah we're doing the big push for 2.0 so right now it's basically uh, what we did is we <laughs> I, I when i named it mongrel 2 i realized that everyone would get uh, a little logic error with mongrel 2 2.0 <laughs> and mongrel 2 3.0 so i had to keep it that way so basically 2.0 we're going to make it fancy and nice to use that's our goal fancy and nice to use cool yep yeah thanks ed yep no problem thank you thanks for the interview it was great